0: The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to Lord. Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer greatly from the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. Then Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him God forbid, Lord, no such thing shall ever happen to you. He turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an obstacle to me. You are thinking not as God does, but as human beings do. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What profit would there be for one to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? Or what can one give in exchange for his life? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in his Father's glory, and then he will repay all according to his conduct. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord The Gospel today, we have a... It's important to understand the context that it's a continuation of the Gospel last week. And if you remember last week, Peter uh, confessed that Jesus Christ is Son of the Living God. And Jesus says, you know, blessed are you, Simon, son of John, right? Uh, Because flesh and bone has not revealed this to you but my Heavenly Father, right? And then he says, like, Peter, you are the rock upon which I'll build my church, And then Peter today rebukes Jesus. He's like, oh, Jesus, now that I know what's going on, let me tell you, you're in the wrong, right? And of course, Jesus then has to rebuke him. It's not a very good start for the church, right? It's not a very good start for Peter. But yet God works through it all. And through this interaction, we receive, as often does in the midst of struggle, in the midst of sometimes our sin, in the midst of receiving the grace from Jesus Christ, is that we receive something from it. And we receive these lines from Jesus Christ, who unpacks a little bit more of the spiritual reality of just reality as a whole. And I think this is a reality as a whole because it's certainly spiritually real, but it's also real whether you're spiritual or not because it is real uh, and really an aspect of humanity. That if someone seeks to save his life, he will lose it. But whoever loses his life will find it. Now, of course, he gives a little caveat for his sake, uh, but I think it's very true. Those who try to hold on to their life in every single way lose it, and those who give it away lose find it. I think this is one of the hardest difficulties of humanity, is that we have to weigh different types of life, in, and also the way that we live it, right? The extreme of this is somebody who tries to hold on to their life so, right, who tries to, to save their life so strongly, and is so afraid of losing their life, that they shut themselves up, right? in a prison, right? In order to save themselves from the world, well, yeah, they save themselves physically, but certainly lose their life in so many different aspects, right? That's the extreme. Somebody who moves to such an extreme as they shut off every single possible um, threat, every single possible threat that might be to their life. Of course, the opposite is somebody who's such an adrenaline junkie that they, they take every single form of risk, right? That's, that's not exactly, you know, those are the two opposed. We're shooting for somewhere else in the middle. And it's made me kind of think so much about life, right? Especially in the situation that we are, well, what is life? And a lot of the world time, only the world can understand physical life material life right because that's the only thing that the secular world will acknowledge right but there's but but even within the secular world there's there's more than just the material physical health life of a person right there's there's mental health there's relational health and life and for us as well there's also spiritual health and life right and we realize that those things sometimes battle in contradiction to each other. And so how do we figure out what it is or how we unpack that? Well, I think it's important for us to, again, once again, you know, kind of look in our own life, see the ways that we've experienced it, and then also uh, to, to make choices, not just sometimes on our assumptions. And I'll give you an example. So... Uh, for myself, one of the experiences I've been very uh, gifted or grateful for is actually an experience of this. So, uh, to give you a little background, as you all know, uh, as yeah, I think I um, I don't think there's too many visitors here today. Um, but uh, as you all know, I uh, was able to go out to the Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland, out of high school, and there, at the start of your junior year, for whatever reason in the military, you get a Or at the Naval Academy, you get a $35,000 loan for like 0.5% interest. And I, one of my life goals at that point, uh, was to make as much money as possible and retire as soon as possible, right? So it was a pretty simple rule. So I was working towards that, going to the Naval Academy. And with this loan, I wanted to be able to invest it in stocks and be able to make a lot of money, right? I mean, it's pretty simple uh, economics there. And so my parents actually lent me $1,000 to be able to play the stock market. To be able to kind of learn a little bit before i got this other loan and and risked a little bit more money and so at my sophomore year i started to read a lot more i was studying quantitative economics at the time and i was reading a book on stocks and trying to really engage into it trading and i was starting to get in calls and puts which is kind of a leverage way of being able to do it and i figured out a way in the way that the stock is uh, often kind of changes with the call to be able to invest in and within a week Within a week time and a few trades I took $200 of that and made 3000. I was like that's pretty awesome, you know, right? That's a pretty good return in a week, you know. If I keep on extrapolating that, I'm a millionaire, right? And so it exactly was exactly what I wanted, right? I had saved my life. I had found my life, right? I had exactly what I wanted. And yet, it was the worst week of my entire life. It was a hellish-like existence. Not because of the money, but because I got the money. The entire week, the only thing that I could think about, the only thing that I could interact with, was thinking about money and stocks and trades. And I could not engage in class, in relationships, in prayers, or sleep. It was just money. And it was this hellish-like experience where you get the very thing that you want, and that's the very thing that you want is the thing that destroys you, right? Because it's not what you're made for. And for myself, I'm very grateful for that because I was able to, you know, kind of step back and to be able to reevaluate what I was doing. And at that point, I started to look and see what I was doing and to be able to say, well, what actually do... I find joy in? What do I find happiness in? Because I realized that if I just sought money and retired early, I wouldn't actually be able to retire early because I, had, I would have formed a life in such a way as to be consumed by money and solely efficiency. So I was like, well, what can I live now in this life? And I realized that I was doing a whole bunch of Catholic things. I was involved with the Knights of Columbus, uh, with Bible study, uh, with the Catholic Midshipman Club, and I was realizing that those things gave me life. Well, why not do those now? Even though that every single time that I did those things, I felt like I was losing my life. I'm like, oh, shoot, I've got to give up this time. I've got, to, I've got so many other things to do, but I guess I'll go because I'm committed. and uh But then when I win, it g- gave me life. Right. And that's an important exam, uh, uh, evaluation of our life to be able to say what actually matters. Now, I'll give you uh, another example uh, of kind of this, which I uh, Bishop Robert Barron, in his homily this week, which I kind of always listen to to prepare, he reminded me of this, this beautiful uh, interaction here. So he reminds, and I, I just give him the credit because it's his connection, um, but... Uh, there's a play that was turned into a movie called A Man for All Seasons, and it's the story of St. Thomas More. St. Thomas More was a he- friend of King Henry VIII. Now, if you remember King Henry VIII, right, uh, he had many wives, right, and he, he also, in that problem, uh, wanted to get an annulment, a divorce and an annulment, so that he could marry another woman to be able to continue to have uh, uh, children, um, because... His current wife didn't give him children and so he thought that that you know clearly she wasn't his wife and so he wanted an all and the church wouldn't give it to him because you're married right whether they bear you male children or not you're married and so what he did King Henry VIII was of course break with the church and he said well I don't care whatever you say now I'm the supreme authority of the church in England right this is where we get the split of the church in England. And most of the bishops went along with it. Uh, Thankfully, uh, there there was uh, one bishop, St. John Fisher, who didn't, as well as St. Thomas More, who was actually a layperson, who was involved with the government, actually a friend of King Henry VIII, but he wouldn't go along with it. He said, uh, no, he was actually chancellor at the time, almost really high up there, and he just wouldn't go along with it. And King Henry VIII was very angry about this. So the movie starts with St. Thomas More being surrounded by family, seeming to have every single wealth in the world, right? Very comfortable, just a joyous family. And then there's a man who comes to him to try to seek his advice, who just graduated from college and is trying to get a job and trying to work his way to the top. And St. Thomas More uh, gives him, you know, kind of pushes him off and says, whoa, just work hard, right? Right? Nothing comes easy. Don't try to take the easy road. And at the end of the movie, after King Henry VIII is broken with the church and arrested St. Thomas More and wants him to, to concede to him being the supreme authority and kind of the Pope of England, right? Uh, and St. Thomas More won't. Well, they can't get him on anything to really accuse him to finally uh, bring it. So what they do is they do a, a backsliding move where they get this guy who's the same guy who's at the beginning of the movie, right, that goes to St. Thomas More, and gets him to testify against St. Thomas More, but not just testify against St. Thomas More, but lie, right? Commit perjury in order to convict St. Thomas More to have him beheaded. And he gives the testimony, and St. Thomas More kind of tries to defend it a little bit, but of course they don't really care. And then as he's leaving, there's this beautiful interaction, so this is Sir Rogers, I believe. And as he's leaving, St. Thomas More says, "Oh, Sir Rogers, what is that medal that you have? You know, he's, before when he came, he was kind of ragged, and now he's got all these fancy clothes. He's got this medal, and he's walking really high. And, and St. Thomas More says, what is that medal? And he looks at it, and he, it's the red dragon. He says, well, what, did, what, what does this medal mean? And one of the judges say, well, Sir Rogers was just an appointed Chancellor of Wales. And St. Thomas More then says this line, which I don't know whether he actually said it, but it's in the it's in the movie. He says, It profits a man nothing to give his soul for the whole world, but for whales. But for whales. It's a beautiful line to just recognize what just happened. You just gave your life away for whales. And I think about that in our life so often. Right, And certainly it's not always as clear as that, but sometimes it is, right? It doesn't profit a man to give, his, to give his soul for the whole world, but for practice, but for a game, but for a little bit more money, but for just some friends, but just for some fun. There are so many things that the world tries to say, well, this is more important, right? And Jesus reminds us that nothing is more important, right? That even if you were to gain the whole world, even if your action was to gain the entire world, but you lost your soul, it wouldn't be worth it. And yet, so often in such small ways, we're willing to concede to the world and give our life our soul away. I think this is certainly uh, where we have to kind of evaluate our priorities, right, as I, I speak so often. What are our priorities, right? Where do we place our most importance? If we don't have time for something, well then it must not be important. If we don't have time for Sunday Mass, if we don't have time for prayer, if we don't have time to be generous, then where are our priorities? I think in that situation, then we're trying to save our life to such a degree that we're actually losing it. We actually lose our life if we try to save it so much if we, if we try to make other things the priority other than Jesus. And so, this is one of the uh, interactions that even happens not just on a personal level, but also on a family level, on a church level, and a diocesan level it's one of the interactions that i've had to kind of uh interact with the diocese is, is well i guess I'll, I'll go to personal first for myself to leave this diocese and go to the military uh everybody's everybody's like oh it's a great adventure and i'm excited for the adventure but to be quite honest it's not something that i necessarily want to do um when I got out of the Navy, when I went to seminary, quite honestly, I was pretty done with the Navy and its bureaucracy and its paperwork and everything else. I was okay if I never went back. Um, and even with the priesthood as well, when I felt called to something more, when I, when I saw, when I uh, discerned priesthood, I didn't discern or to discern something more to actually start to lay down my life for God. I didn't want to become a priest, but yet that's what God led me to. And that's, I think, good discernment, where we, where we, it's not always what we desire or what we want on surface value, but it's what is, in reality, the greatest good. And so for myself, becoming a priest, right, is, is difficult. Uh, but also then going to the military, quite honestly, I've gotten to travel a lot in my life, I've, I've been on a lot of adventures. But my favorite place in the entire world is northern Wisconsin. There's nowhere else that I'd rather be. Everything about it is what I prefer in life. I hate big cities, and that's exactly what I'm going to get in the Navy. Uh, I hate hot weather, and that's what I'll get at different places in the Navy, right? I, I, I don't like paperwork, and I'm really bad at bureaucracy, and yet that's what I get in the Navy, you know? But that's where God's calling me in the need. It's also on a diocesan level, right? The diocese right now, half of our priests are Indian priests on loan. And so the diocese could very easily say, Hey, we can't lose you, right? We're already short guys. We need to hold on to you. Do you need to try to save every single scrap that we have and try to maintain that? But the reality is, is that part of our parishioners in the diocese are in the military. And so we need to serve them as well. As well as there's also a beautiful act of generosity here, right? Yeah, the diocese doesn't have enough, but you know what? The military has even less. And Bishop uh, Peter Christensen really helped me a lot in this. I was really struggling with it. And he said, you know what? If you're called to the military, the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide for the diocese. I'm not worried about that. I am worried about not being generous enough, right? And Bishop Powers, thankfully, has continued to support me in that to be able to go, to be able to say that it's important for us to show our generosity, to be able to tithe and to not hold on to our life, but to actually lay it down for Jesus' sake so that we might find it. Similarly, St. Thomas More, right? He could have said, well, it's more important for me to stay with my family, so I'm just going to lose a little bit, right? I'll just tell a little, little lie. And then I'll be able to live and be with my family. In fact, many people were trying to convince him to do that. But he said, no, the greatest good is to be true to God. And that I will serve my family better by dying for the truth than living for a lie. In our life, what kind of ways do we need to live for the truth? What kind of things do we need to give up? to not hold on to any more with the worldly understanding as St. Peter is, but instead lay down in generosity. I think the saints, of course, give amazing examples, St. Thomas More being one, but also, I think, just to mention St. Maria Goretti, who, again, was a a wonderfully uh, holy young girl, and it would have been much better if she lived... But yet she understood that it was better for her to die and preserve in the truth and her purity than to, than to lose her soul, right? To give in. And, and so beautifully, St. Maria Goretti's life is actually lived fuller and affected more people because of her death than if she would have lived. Interesting that her death was the very thing that was the greatest life. One of the other examples uh, around us, I think, are the Amish. Now, I don't agree with a lot of the theology and other things of the Amish, but as we know, we can learn from many people that we don't always agree with, right? And the Amish have this beautiful, beautiful spiritual reality to realize that it's not worth it to gain the entire world to lose one's soul, right? And we look at them and we're like, well, just buy a car, just buy a tractor, it'd be so much easier, Uh, But yet they say, well, you know, maybe that tractor, although it's more efficient, isn't helpful for my life. The most important aspects of my life, right? That I might be able to be more wealthy. But is that the most important part of my life? No. The most important in my life is God, right? And that's a beautiful interaction, I think about, I wish that we had a better understanding or a, a better uh, gift of ourselves as well in that way to be able to examine, to be able to say that there are many things that are good, right? Our, our theology says that alcohol isn't bad, right? Cars aren't bad, electricity isn't bad, TV isn't bad, phones aren't bad, but they can all be used for the bad if they're used in excess, if they're used to keep us away from God. And I, I think it's, it's beautiful to see people who although these things are not bad, give them up for the greater good. Because even though that they are not inherently evil, they can bring us away when we try to hold on, when we try to make entertainment our life or our way to give our life in different ways. And so, um, as we close, I'd like to give just one other image that I've been kind of using up here, if you've, you've kind of noticed Because a lot of the times we, in our fear, we try to hold on to the gifts, the good things of life that we've been given, right? And we hold on to those because if we don't have those, we don't know what life would be like, right? We don't know whether we'd be able to survive. But in this interaction of trying to save our life, we lose it. Because we're no longer able to receive gifts from God. Because our hands are closed. We're clasping what we have. And so it's so important for us to understand that reality in our life. That as we open up our hands, as we give in generosity, as we give our life over to God. Yes, we're going to lose certain things. But we'll gain the most important thing. We'll find that thing that we've been searching for as we hold our hands. As we open up our hands in generosity, we'll find life. Find the good gifts and joy that God wants to give us. And so let us open up our hands in generosity. Let us give to God and allow God God to guide our life. Instead of our human understanding, our human thinking, let us think as God does and work with him.